Hello, listeners. You're about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I am what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Uh, uh, This is Alex coming at you. Uh, Travis, of course, here, like always. Uh, We're coming at you with, you know, I guess a little bit of an all-star recap here, Travis. Just uh, for you guys to know, it is Thursday uh, afternoon, almost evening here uh, at 7.43. There was no baseball games today. Unfortunately, the Yankees and Red Sox game was uh, postponed due to COVID protocols. Hope that does not become a big issue, Travis, because I do know that this season has really felt uh, different from last year in the way how we have not had these teams have to miss extended amount of time, weeks and weeks uh, missing games and that has set the season apart from last year in my mind I hope we don't go down that rabbit hole again I'm sure you agree um, but yeah uh, I guess we can do some all-star recap uh, as well as some hormone derby recap uh, our boy Shohei was making all kinds of headlines so we'll get dive into that and also Travis uh, this week or this episode we will be covering some uh, second half kind of predictions some second half debates we can kind of discuss where we think some of these teams are going to be ending up when we hit October, who is going to be, you know, making the postseason wild card uh, thoughts, which players are going to end hot, which teams are going to end up on top when it's all said and done. So just some kind of different questions we're going to come at. Uh, I'm going to surprise Travis with some questions, actually, and we can have some little uh, kind of impromptu debates. So, um, Travis, I mean, what's what's going on today with you? Nothing much. First off, beautiful intro. Thank you. Really covering the episode right there. Thanks. I appreciate um, that. Yeah, nothing too much. Uh, just uh, getting ready to get the second half, you know, second half kicked off tomorrow night with the Angels home uh, against the Seattle Mariners. Just um, important series. Yeah, didn't I, I didn't like the way we finished, of course, with the or, you know, not finished, but didn't like the, how the last series went in Seattle, losing two of three. I know we played a lot better than that. Um, mm-hmm. Had a couple, you know, miscues, I think, on the coaching side as well as just kind of execution-wise in that series. Really should have came away with a 2-3 series win, if not a three-game sweep um, in that one as well. So I'm looking forward for them to get back, you know, back to the grind on Friday tomorrow just to get the second half kicked off because, you know, we look at the next upcoming upcoming days. It's going to be Mariners. It's going to be Oakland A's. And then a little bit of an easy road trip with the Minnesota Twins. And then we actually come back and we're going to be playing the Oakland A's again. So we have a lot of hot baseball coming up for the Angels. Um, That's right. It's going, to be, it's going to be a fun, I think, July. And we're going to actually find out where this team is going to be headed. Um, I think I spoke last week. I think the next two weeks are going to be really big on the Angels and seeing, uh, big on other teams as well, but really kind of seeing where some of these teams are going. Yeah, right. That's a very good point. I like you know, the way you're kind of emphasizing the importance of these upcoming series for the Angels, that's probably true for so many teams. I know I did see a tweet uh, by Jeff Passan today, pretty much outlining the Braves' path towards the trade deadline. And essentially, 
up until now through the trade deadline, I believe 18 straight games for the Braves are against uh, winning teams, currently winning teams. So you can kind of just look at a stat like that and kind of say, okay, these next several series for the Braves are super impactful series because, uh, I mean, essentially, you know, they really have to get hot now or else they're just going to spiral down. So, like, you know, like you were saying how important these series are for the Angels, I think most teams feel the same way about, about their squad. You know, it's time to get hot now or else we might just end up out of it in, in a few weeks here. So... Um, it is a it is an important stretch for almost every squad, but I think Charles, let's let's stop. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the All Star Game and the we'll home run the derby. Predictions, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll keep that for later. Um, the 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 hot topic obviously has been Shohei Otani this All Star break um, from the home run derby, uh, being the top seed as he is the home run leader for the twenty twenty one season thus far, and then also it was announced by uh, uh, Kevin Cash, the American League coach, Tampa Bay Rays coach. Um, he that Shohei will be not only the starting pitcher but the leadoff hitter. Uh, and just a recap for those that somehow are unaware, Shohei started uh, first inning, one two three inning, and then was over two at the plate. Um, and he did get eliminated in the first round of the Herman Derby to the hands of Juan Soto, which Travis was probably the most exciting thing for me of the whole event was just seeing them go to like the double overtime kind of scenario. Definitely, it, it was just one of the most. Um, I guess. Like, I've never seen a kind of a back and forth quite like that. Do you want to walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, you know, going into it, I think when we spoke about it, we thought that Otani and Soto, that would be kind of the battle of the night. Mm -hmm. I think when we were predicting who would win, I was looking at that matchup, and I would say if whoever comes out of this round is going to be... Yeah, I think I said the same thing on the podcast. Yeah. I was like, these two guys are are the real deal when it comes to this, and I think they're both ready for the, the derby. Exactly, you know? and both guys, I mean, did absolutely fantastic. I mean, they literally brought the hype, and they brought the excitement early on. Um, you know, seeing Soto take the win... I wasn't really disappointed. I knew I know Otani put on a great show. Yeah. Um, See, seeing Otani start out with like I think two home runs through like the first half of yeah, the time. Exactly. And then Jared Walsh runs up with a cell phone, and Mike Trout says like Shohei, you got this, or you know whatever he said on on the. And Shohei does a little laugh, gathers his breath, and then he somehow ties it up. Charles, I think after the first like forty five seconds of Shohei's turn. Everyone like, oh well, he's just gonna let us down here. He somehow came roaring back and just somehow barely tied it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, it was it, crazy. It's funny you look at like the first minute and a half of the um, of the round, the three minute round. I think, like you said, two home runs or something like that. Mm -hmm. The last minute and a half. I mean, you look at that and you're like, okay, I've never seen a guy hit 16 home runs in like Straight, a one, in, much, in, in yeah. one minute. You know, Shohei was totally on fire. Took it to the second round. Took it to the third round of the first round. Uh, and you know, it, it was just an exciting. Uh, it was an exciting. You know moment in baseball right there having mm -hmm. just kind of like the the young guys younger than me and Juan Soto you know yeah. having, having yeah. the young talent against Otani who's kind of the phenom right now looking at like the face of baseball uh it was a great first round um and you know with those two guys I was I was really proud of you know having both those guys go freaking you know neck and neck right then there but right but you know I mean Pete Alonso is a defending home run derby champion uh from the last full season in 2019 so wasn't really too disappointed to see him win but yeah he he just seemed like he was like i think he was built he, for this travis he was gonna win it from the beginning he yeah. just dominated yeah, he, every single round yeah, he was built for it and and it was really cool to see trey mancini you know put up a very impressive 
I guess, kind of marker. He got over 20 home runs yeah. in, in that two-minute yeah. final round. So he really made Alonzo earn it in a way, but it did feel like Alonzo was just built for it. He, you know, didn't seem like he was ever, he didn't seem like he was ever that tired. He never really slowed down. No, um, and that's one thing that I noticed with Shohei, he was bending over, exhausted, just gasping for air because, you know, with altitude and also doing a home run derby, which is almost like the equivalent of like a cardio sport. It's almost like jogging or sprinting. Uh, yeah, it, you definitely saw that that uh, that Alonzo was just so built for it. Yeah. I mean, guy was dancing after he hit a line drive off a kid's, you know, knee or something like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, the guy was the guy was on another level uh, on Monday night, and so uh, it, it was exciting to see that. I was actually really surprised. I thought that the left-handed hitters would be putting on more of a more of an exciting show, but it was funny. The final round was two right-handed hitters. It's kind of interesting to see how um, you know different. Uh, righty or lefty stances, you know, what that affects the ballpark. For some reason, I thought that the lefties would have a really good night, but it turned out being the righties. Right, yeah. It seemed like Coors, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the ballpark, you know, statistics for, you know, favoring hitters and all that, like the back of my hand, but it did seem like the right handed hitters, that little kind of left center and left field kind of porch it does feel like it's pretty you know it, it's not it's not it's not too deep at all especially because right field has this big kind of wall so even though it's kind of just a small difference you can kind of imagine like i guess if a lefty hits the ball off the wall if they were a righty it might have gone out kind of thing you know yeah. um just because that right field kind of little uh outfield pavilion there uh sorry the left field little pavilion there is uh is uh, not too deep at all and you know we saw several just absolute bombs go over that whole pavilion like into like the the snack shack area over there not only in the home run derby travis but also in the all-star game we can transition there now vladdy guerrero had that monstrous monstrous home run that pretty much won him the mvp award by yeah. itself yeah. just that monstrous shot I, they were interviewing fernando tatis during that moment and tatis you know i, I think i think they're boys i think they're i think they're yeah, tight that's right so uh tatis's reaction that was really funny to watch get that live on broadcast but yeah guerrero's homer i mean it feels like these young guys have like officially kind of moved into the into like they've kind of taken over the league it feels like that's kind of official at this point you know acuna was being that guy in the first half until his unfortunate injury but then now tatis is, is right there as well guerrero jr winning uh, I think was it the youngest player to win an All Star Game MVP? Maybe it was since... twenty two years old and something amount of days, but it was the youngest. Yeah. Right. So like these guys, even though they're so young, and like we've always kind of viewed them as like the next generation, it feels like that generation is already here. So that's kind of an interesting thing that we kind of saw this week or this like All Star uh, break essentially. Yeah, it was, and I look at Guerrero's first uh, first at bat, and I think he was almost about two inches away from smoking Max Scherzer's head off. Right. I mean, yeah. He pissed on a ball that was fielded greatly I did by the shortstop of their second baseman and was um and was retired for the final out of the inning or the second out of the inning but I mean yeah I mean I think his exit velo the whole night was just oh he was ripping it it, yeah. it was incredible and just seeing Imagine that, if he played in Coors year round <laughs> yeah and just seeing that home run I mean why I, I was like that ball it was probably the same amount of distance as what Pete Alonso was doing the night before in the home run derby and this is the all-star game against some of the best uh pitchers you know in the game right yeah, now yeah he, yeah he these two these two monstrous hits we're talking about are off Max Scherzer and Corbin Burns like two of the top probably yeah. five yeah. pitchers in the NL numbers wise right now just incredible pitchers having incredible years and Guerrero just like said like you know i'm something i'm something i'm something different so yeah, yeah. that was cool to see and that's reason why for me i think he's still of course the best he is the best hitter in the game right now he's the best hitter yeah. on the planet right now uh of course otani is one of like is the best probably pl complete player complete package when it comes to everything but guerrero being the best hitter uh really put on a show and um you know one of our other guys who i consider you know being 
you know, he was, of course, rivaling uh, Vladdy Guerrero at first base, but our guy Jared Walsh yeah. playing left field, <sighs> making the game-saving catch out there. Incredible. It's funny because I go back to the last podcast, and I said Walsh will hit a home run in the seventh to win the game. But he made a sliding catch in the seventh to almost win the game. That's funny. Uh, it, it, I I was just laughing when I saw that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just incredible how you know how full utility this guy is. He can play anywhere. Uh, he actually said it after the game that he was hoping that Joe Madden did not see or watch the game because he did not want him to put him in left field. Yeah, I hope so too. And I kind of I'm kind of scared of that because yeah. I can see that happening, which would just be. Very annoying. Very annoying. Yeah, very annoying. But no, it, it was all fun and games. It was good to see that because, you know, you have Olsen at first base. You want to see Olsen in the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Walsh being kind of that uh, guy that can almost play anywhere. Um, yeah, yeah. It was I, awesome to see. Right. Yeah. When, when that was happening and, and this whole kind of second half of the game, Shoei comes out. I watched Walsh's first at bat and I kind of knew that, um, you know, I, I, I figured exactly what happened in this first A-B. I think he kind of blooped one as a pop out. Um and so I was kind of waiting for a second at bat for a long time. It was taking a while to get back to that eighth spot in the order that he was in uh, during that second half of the game. And I was just kind of wondering, like, hey, when am I going to see Walsh again? I just want to see Walsh again. He's my guy. I love Walsh. I want to see one. I'll hope they give him one more AB. Uh, I know Cash was doing tons of, like, righty-lefty, like, uh, substitutions. Like, he wanted to get that handedness advantage. So I thought, you know, if there's a lefty in for Walsh, I'm sure he'll get pinch hit for but I was like, okay, I wonder what Walsh is doing. I think Olsen's at first. Is Walsh like DHing right now? Because the positions are keep changing around. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I was just really excited to see another Walsh sighting. And I he was not I didn't see him for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden his base is loaded for Chris Bryant. He lines one to the left. Some guy makes a diving catch, and I was like, Who is that? That's Walsh. And I was like, I he just came out of nowhere. I totally caught him by surprise. I didn't know he was playing left at that time. But it was super awesome, uh, you know, to see that. And then he did get the at-bat where he, uh, in the, I believe it was the eighth, maybe top of the ninth, uh, I think it might have been top of the ninth, where he, like, flied out to uh, Chris Taylor, like, dead center, running track, and I was like, oh, if that went out, like, that would have made my day, but, you know. He, was, went, it, he went to Jared, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just happy he was there. It was cool to see Walsh no. representing the Angels for the All-Star game because he is, uh, you know, he, you know, Angel fans just love him. He's yeah, just, he's, yeah. He's, he's been great this year. And for some reason, I just was going to this game, and I, going to the All-Star break, and I was like, you know, can... I hope I hope that we can stay healthy. I just I don't want some freak accident happening yeah. where you know two of our main guys right now because the Angels' season you know their story of the season has been injuries and I could just see Otani or Walsh something happening you know back problem or just something stupid happening to them and I was at least happy to see them you know go out go in healthy and come out healthy. Um, we need those two bats big time for the second half of the Angels. Um, right. But Alex, I'll kind of uh, move us to the next direction. Um, and this is actually going before the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. Uh, Monday, there's actually some pretty interesting news coming out. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, he's uh, he's one of the commentators on the First Take uh, yeah. show on ESPN. A yeah. L- lot of basketball talk and not a lot of baseball talk yeah. coming from that show. So whenever they talk baseball, usually it makes some baseball fans turn their heads. But yeah, exactly. please, please continue. It, it, is, it is a funny thing when they start talking baseball. But yeah, usually basketball is, is the big topic. Football, they get into... But when they talk about baseball, it's kind of just like, okay. But, you know, Stephen A. was making the claim that Shohei Otani can not be kind of the face of baseball. He can't be the most exciting player in baseball right now because he simply doesn't know how to speak English. He needs a translator to pretty much communicate with, you know, the media, with coaches, with anything about that. So he was saying 
Shohei Otani cannot be the face of baseball when you can't even speak English. So it was a really kind of interesting topic. You know, Twitter was going crazy that day. Yeah. Um, just the, the amount of comments were just going insane. Of course, they're all going in different directions. People want to point fingers at this or that. And so it started this whole kind of Twitter war with yeah. uh, Stephen A with other people and all and all that stuff. So it, I'll, I'll kind of get your input on that. But it was it was just a really interesting comment because, you know, they don't bring up baseball and they bring up a guy who's doing things that, you know, we haven't seen this in 100 years. And you kind of downplay it as to you can't be the top guy because of one small little thing about you. And, yeah. you know, it's it's just kind of a shame. But go ahead and and, uh, and, and kind of give you your input. Yeah, so my input uh, is pretty simple, Travis. When it comes to basketball, um, the, the face of a team, the face of the league, you see their face all the time. You are constantly, you know, I feel like the media is so involved in the daily lives of the players. Uh, the way they communicate with their teams, it's all on full display. And even in football to a degree, at least for like a quarterback or like a star, star receiver, star, star running back, these kind of guys, they really get tons of media attention. They get the crazy, like you see Odell Beckham in like a, in a, uh, like a head and shoulders commercial or whatever it is, you know. Uh, but yeah, in baseball, Travis, I feel like it's so completely different because, you know, talking about like a face of baseball, it's such a weird concept because... I feel like so many players are so low key. They're so behind the scenes. Yeah. And even when they're flashy, you don't really even know them that well. Like, I mean, Acuna and Tatis, they flash leather on the field. They hit a huge home run. They do a big bat flip. Yeah, the but swagger's I, there. But I never hear them talk. I never hear like, what they think about what's happening. It's usually kind of just all behind the scenes. And so the fact that like someone not speaking English was the reason that Stephen A thought that someone couldn't be the face of baseball. And it kind of showed to me that he didn't really uh, have, you know, a lot of care or a lot of, I guess, like, uh, I guess didn't have the analytic lens for, for baseball the same yeah, way that a lot yeah. of us do because, like, okay, there's tons of uh, past legendary baseball figures who are Latin American and don't speak very much English either or at least English second language. So many superstars in baseball are English second language people, Shohei being one of those, you know, types. And uh, it's just so obvious to me that, like, you can be that guy and you can be you know, the superstar, you can be the, you know, dynamic player. And it doesn't really matter what you speak because the way you talk to the press or the media, it's not, it's not really a factor in baseball. We care about what you do in the field and your numbers. And in, I guess, you know, your swagger is also a big factor in like how you can be marketed. But in baseball, it's really all about what you do in the field, in my mind. And bringing up the language someone speaks seems so irrelevant to a baseball conversation, specifically a baseball conversation, just because, you know, I, I sometimes I'll hear like Ronald Acuna or someone like that speak in the microphone, and I'm like, oh, that's what he sounds like. I never even heard him talk before. Yeah, and right. that's, that's just the way, that's just the way it <laughs> that's is. That's so true. Like, that's so true. Travis, yeah. I think Vladimir Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero Senior, back when he was you know prime for the Angels, was one of my favorite players. One of my favorite players ever to this day. Never, never heard him say anything. I never English. heard a word <laughs> until I never. I didn't know what he sounded like or if he spoke English or what until a certain age. I'm like, oh, he only speaks Spanish. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't care. Yeah, like he can yeah. be the face of the Angels. He can be our best player. He can be our the face of the team. You know, the most sold jersey, all that kind of stuff. And he doesn't have to speak English. It doesn't matter. It's not a factor at all because we like to see him hit home runs and we like to see that cannon in right field. Like that's what it's about. So, exactly, exactly. So I, I yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on what I just kinda put? No, down? you can please summarize it correctly. You know, with baseball, I think it's a lot more of what 
you can do on the field rather than what you can do off the field. I look at sports like basketball and football. You know, a lot of a lot of people are in the news. I feel like in the off season in those sports, they're doing you know things that are maybe a little bit out of touch, or you know, people are of course going to be a little bit debating on what you're doing, all that stuff. I feel like baseball, you're very low key. Look at a guy like yeah. Mike Trout. It's not about the drama. Exactly, stuff. a guy like Mike Trout off season you don't even hear from this guy he just goes off the map off the radar of course if you follow him on social media he'll post here and there but you don't even hear about him in the news at all a couple of guys in baseball that are of course trying to change that way one guy being like trevor bauer who was trying to kind of get that instrumental right you know that voice out of baseball you know but i think with baseball and the way it's been and you know past you know generations they kind of really don't care because it's like you know what most of the baseball guys really are just I feel like they're just kind of family guys and they're just like, you know what, you know, once the season off season comes, I'm just completely away because I, I, I've been around for 162 games and, you know, I am sick and tired of, you know, being around people. I feel like tons of these international players often go back to their their home countries, which is like, you know, baseball is such an international sport. It's been an international sport. Yeah. You know, going back to, you know, I guess when the color barrier broke, you see, you know, tons of Latin American uh, you know, just you see tons, tons of, of people all together from all sorts of you know international countries, uh, making would, making a name for themselves. And would, would you say that there's more? Um, it's interesting. You know, was there more international presence in the MLB than there is in the NBA? Um, it's interesting. That's an interesting question. Basketball is a world sport because basketball for the longest time was like nowhere near baseball, right? Like the the whole Latin American. Uh, acceptance of baseball and how prevalent it is in those countries yeah. has been a thing for several decades now. Whereas the NBA, it really feels like there's like a international renaissance the last decade, yeah. maybe two mm-hmm. decades mm-hmm. where you see, you know, starting with guys like, you know, I mean, it, it's gone on for a while with like guys like Sabonis, Dirk Nowitzki, you go into today's game where you have Jokic, Gobert, Embiid, you have Doncic. You, I mean, the list goes on and on yep. and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Giannis, who right now is in the middle of the finals, making a case for uh, finals MVP if, if the Bucks uh, do squeeze it out. But, um, you know, the international presence is on another level when it comes to basketball compared to previous decades. But to me, it still feels like baseball, a good chunk of the, you know, top 20 players, top 50 players are... Uh, Perhaps even a majority are like these international kind of guys. Latin American countries, obviously Shohei is, is you know, inserted himself into like a top five player in baseball yeah. just with this one crazy season. And he, of course, is, is Japanese. So, um, you know. And I, I, and I was going to say, and I feel like with us in our generation, you know, people that are 25 and younger, we've really, we've grown up in this, you know, me and you seeing Vladdy and Jose Moda being his, you know, translator all the time. Mm-hmm. And you look at guys like Ichiro and Matsui, um, some of these big names coming from other countries. And, of course, Latin America, just tons of talent coming in for the past 20, 25 years that we can remember. Um, and, you know, it, it just always is like, yeah. oh, you know, just they, they have their translator. You know, I, I really don't have a problem with it. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, like the, the, the big four, there's like a big four in my mind for y- these youngsters that are um, uh, taking over baseball. And it's like Acuna, Tatis, Soto, and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. And yeah, all four yeah. of those guys are obviously Latin American. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their their family roots are in international countries. Yeah. So um, the fact that these guys are taking over baseball, it's going to continue being this diverse, you know, sport, this diverse league. And it's awesome for the sport. And I think hammering it home one more time, any of those guys could be the face of baseball in the next five years, next 10 years. And it doesn't matter if they speak English very well or not. It's just not a factor for, for our, in our minds and I think in most people's minds. So Especially for Angels fans because I don't care what 
language, what dialect, what Otani speaks. If he's doing what he's doing right now, I want I, on my team. No yeah. one, no one cares what language you're speaking. So yeah. you know, we'll pay Ipe's salary. We're happy to have Ipe around too, translating for sure. Yeah, that's that's fine with me. <laughs> exactly. So it's I think it was important to cover that. You know, just with being that kind of was an interesting topic to start the week off and to start the home run derby and the whole All Star break. But um, Alec, what should we transition to into next? Yeah, so I think we kind of covered all that recap stuff. Um, now I think it would be a good time to get into our second half, I guess, sort of questions and sort of predictions. I'm just going to kind of, I, I just kind of made up some questions that I feel like, you know, we, it could kind of spark a little bit of conversation, spend a few minutes on each of these kind of topics, just kind of see where you're at with where you think uh, some of these teams are going. And I guess what we kind of see for the future of this 2021 season uh, how we see it unfolding. So perfect. I'll just start off with uh, this first question that I wrote here, Travis, and we'll, I'll let you answer uh, what you think. I'll say what I think, and we can just go back and forth. So this first thing I wrote down was, uh, what is the scariest team in the American League wildcard race? So essentially, there is a difference right now between the AL and the NL in terms of wildcard in a big way, I think, because the AL it really feels like the division winners, they're not locked, but the Astros and the White Sox really do feel kind of locked. And the Red Sox are not locked, but they could easily run away with it pretty quickly here. Um, and so it feels like there's this, there's like these guys who are the division winners in the AL. And then there's this whole pool of teams that are like the uh, wild card uh, contenders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the A's, the Rays, the Blue Jays. I think we rattled, we rattled these teams off last episode. The Yankees, the Angels might be in the mix. The Indians, you know, maybe in the mix, but uh, the National League is completely different. Where like the National League, I don't really know who's going to win any division. Yeah, it, it, it could, it all could change, and it's all kind of like a big kind of jumble. Mm-hmm. But the AL, I feel like, is very defined. We have this wild card pool. So of those wild card teams, Travis, who do you think is the biggest threat to actually like take off, of, take take over, take uh, to pretty much be a big like juggernaut team in the playoffs or to make a real run at this thing? Which of these wild card teams seems scary in that way to you? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start off with, I think, with the, I think one team is kind of a little, you know, would be scary to play would be the Blue Jays, of course, just because you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you got Teoscar Hernandez, you got Bichette, Biggio, you got Semien, you got hopefully, great... Hopefully a healthy Springer going forward. Exactly. You got a great offense, and then also you got a guy in Rio to, to pitch that one game. Yeah. Um, For me, you know, I think that one, in a one-game playoff, there's one guy that you just don't want to see come to the mound. And for me, that's Garrett Cole. Sure. And that's And that's the New York Yankees. Yeah, you know, good point. Y- Yankees are a little bit confused, I think, right now. I think they're going to pick up. They have the roster. They have the people there that have been winning for the past, you know, four or five years. Yeah. It's the same team, the same guys. It's just that I think this season, just distractions are are there. But, yeah. you know. A, a few slumpers with, uh, like, LeMahieu and some others. Injuries as well. Definitely. And, you know, still seeing a guy, you know, like Aaron Judge, and then you see something like LeMahieu and Voight, you know, that those kind of players, it's still a scary thing to see. Yeah. In a series, that team could compete with anyone. Exactly. Exactly. For me, I think the scariest team, if I were to say com- can compete in a one-game wild card, that would of course be the Yankees just because for me seeing Garrett Cole is just kind of like wow and then you have the bullpen of just you know Chad Green I think Chapman's gonna get better I don't I think that he had a little bit of a fluke in June and in July sure with you know just kind of being unpredictable but I think he'll settle down but yeah I think for me the Yankees are still one of the teams that I would just be you know 
Yeah, no, that, that, that's a, it'd that, be a little scary still. That's a super good point. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know which team is like my number one. Like this is the scariest. What I will say is uh, the team that seems to always sneak in there and always, I guess, um, I just kind of like almost outsmart everyone else is the Rays, it feels like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, losing Glass now is pretty big because he obviously probably would have been the starter for a wild card kind of game. But I think in a one-game wild card situation or like that first-round series when they go, if they were to win the wild card game, they go up against like the first overall seed of the AL. could be the Astros, yeah. could be yeah. the White Sox. Mm-hmm. They could they could certainly surprise someone in a short series. Um, their pitchers are all overperforming expectations going into the season, mm-hmm. which always happens with the Rays because they always know how to get the most out of their talent. Um, it feels like everyone can kind of step up at any moment. You know, guys like Yandy Diaz, G Man Choi, they always get the, they get the big hits. Or Rosarena, who knows if he gets hot again? But um, definitely. And one thing I'll say to compliment your pick with the Rays is that for me, I'm all about Garrett Cole, and he's going seven, eight innings with the Rays you're probably going to see their starting pitcher go two, three innings, and then they're just going to go bullpen, and yeah. they're just going to go lefty, righty, they're gonna, they're gonna under be, overhand, you know, yep. sidearm. It, yep. It's it's going to be just a freak show for any lineup, and you're just going to wonder, okay, like, yeah, that, 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 what's going on here? That's a good point because you can really get an all-hands-on-deck game from the Rays' bullpen, and Cash is going to know how to navigate a, a mm-hmm. Yankees lineup or a, you know, uh, A's lineup. He's going to know exactly the back and the front of – you know which kind of batters are good against which type of pitchers. Yeah, I'm, he's gonna get the matchups he likes. Um, so yeah, that, that that's a that's a that's a good point as well. Um, I'd like to say that the Angels are also a team that if they were to be in that scenario, percent of course, yeah. I, I I do wonder how we would approach that. I assume Shohei would probably get on the mound, assuming we don't acquire another pitcher. Which well, we'll have to wait and see. Um, any of these any of these wildcard teams could certainly go out there and try to get a Scherzer could try to get a, a starter from any of these teams that are going to be sellers. Um, I, it's funny that the Nationals might not even be sellers. The Nationals may try to add if they end up, you know, being second place in their division in a yeah. couple weeks here. But, um, yeah, if the A's were to add a starting pitcher, you know, it could just change everything. So um, the AL wildcard race is very fun in my mind because over the next month or two, we're really going to see it take shape and see a couple of teams kind of look like favorites. But right now, it feels like it could, it could go so many ways. I could see a Rays-A's series, which is something that's happened multiple times these yeah. last few years. Yeah. I could see the Angels sneaking in. I could see the Yankees turning things around. I could see uh, the Blue Jays, you know, kind of proving to us that their potential, they can live up to it. I could see, honestly, the Red Sox falling off a bit. No, you're right. The Rays you're could right. take over or the Blue Jays could, could surpass them. So, And then right there you have, you could potentially see Chris Sale starting a wild card game. And that we, know, would, we know he'll be coming back pretty soon. So. Oh yeah. And that, that would be something. And you, if, if it was a must, you know, obviously it's a must win game. Yeah. We, we saw, I know um, in the Nationals 2019 uh, wild card game win, I believe they went Scherzer into Strasburg yeah. in the same game. Yeah. And so imagine like, you know, you put in Sale to start the game. They get to him a little bit in the middle, and then you go to Evaldi or whatever. Yeah, and like, exactly. That is like a super good like lefty into righty. Like that could totally switch things up. You know, exactly. The Red Sox would be a scary team to face in that wild card race if they were to drop out of that, that lead in the division. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of that kind of wraps up that little that little conversation yeah. there. Um, and I was gonna say, Alex, I was gonna ask you this: What would you say? Who would you say would be? Let's just say Angels are in that wild card game. Who are you going with? That's that's one question I want to ask for you because. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You could go with kind of a gut pick. You can go with kind of just what's the overall smartest plan or like 
you know, what, what, what are you looking at if you're the manager and you had a one game playoff? Right, right. Yeah. So assu- I'm just going to go on the, on the assumption that we do not add a starting pitcher. That's better than yes. what we mm-hmm. already have. Um, so with that assumption, I would have to just ride Otani. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because there is certainly a downside to forfeiting that DH mm-hmm. in such an important game. Because when you start Otani as starting pitcher, the Angels essentially are saying, we're not going to have a DH this game. For the rest of the game, our pitchers have to bat or we have to sub that pitcher out when it's their turn to bat. So imagine we go to Otani, he does pretty well, we take him out, and then we go to like someone like Suarez and he starts dealing. Well, then at that point, we get to him in the lineup and we're kind of screwed because we have to take him out at that point. So yeah. it really throws a, yeah. wrench, it throws a wrench into things if you start Otani because you forfeit that DH. But I still think that when it comes down to it, assuming our season stays the same way it's been going so far, Otani has been such an impactful player that we just really owe it to him. You know, no pitcher has stepped up in a way so far where they have earned it more than him. And uh, I, I hope that if we're in that scenario, we start Otani. And I would not want to take Otani out. I would want to hopefully move him into the outfield, uh, figure something out, figure out a way to keep his bat in the game. Unless unless we get off to a healthy lead and we feel like let's go defensive uh, mindset. And that could be another situation. But um, yeah, I would, I would try to go Otani. And try to keep his bat in the game as long as it's close for as long as possible. Because I really don't see how we... Uh, I don't see how we'll make a run at, 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 at like you know advancing through the playoffs without Otani yeah. doing it all. So yeah. that's where my mind's at. That's interesting because I mean I was thinking the exact same thing because you're right. I think when I think when you're the Angels and you're kind of just... You're kind of just barely hanging on. You're just getting there. I feel like you have to go with the guy that's been kind of writing and, and, and has the reason why you've been here the whole season yeah and so i think if you lose that game angel fans and the media everyone's saying you know what they got here with this guy and they lost they, they th- this guy brought him here and i'm okay with them losing with this guy you know you kind of ride or die with your best yeah. guys out yeah. there yeah Travis, if we lost the wild card game because otani gave up three runs in five innings yeah and went one for four at the plate I'm fine with that. Yeah, you no, know, exactly. I don't want... I'd, it'd be much worse for me if we took him out early and then benched him for it. And then, you know, if we took him out after three innings and he misses the rest of the game because we subbed him out, that would be way worse for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm done. Like you said, right or die with Otani. I think we agree there. Um, I'll move on to another question now that I have written down. Um, so, essentially, like we mentioned, the AL, and the, the AL wild card and the National League wild card are in very different situations. The National League wild card really feels like two of the teams are most likely going to be the Dodgers, the Padres, or the Giants. It feels like one of those teams is going to win the division, and the other two will be in the wild card game. And the only way that, that, that the only way that, that doesn't happen is if one of those teams really falls off, and a team like the Braves, a team like the like even even Philadelphia, now. The, the Phillies, the Reds, some team would have to get really hot in the second half, yeah. which is possible. But with Acuna down for the Braves, with you know the Reds never, I guess, kind of getting everything working at the same time, mm-hmm. the Phillies and the Nationals have yet to, I guess, put together a complete stretch here. Same with the Cardinals as well. Yeah. Right, Cardinals yeah. have you know, every time they get hot, you know, something else gets cold. So um, because of those reasons, it feels like the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres are all going to be playoff bound. If that ends up being the case, that means that. Two of those teams will be in the wild card. So the question is, who will be in the NL wild card game? Who do you think is going to be in that 
two uh, that that I guess that one game uh, series. And the funny thing is that the winner of that game would go on to play the other NL team. That's right. Because it'd be the four versus the one. So that's just a funny little scenario we might end up seeing. It might be just the NL West fighting itself up until the NLCS, which is really kind of funny. But who do you see in that National League wildcard game, Travis? Yeah, you know, I I definitely kind of, of course, see the Giants slipping. I don't think that they're going to be the team there. I mean, it, it's honestly crazy because, I mean, we were, we were talking about this last week. A Dodgers Padres wild card would just be it'd be it w- so unfair, but also just so it would be like the most exciting baseball game of the last like I don't yeah, know how long. Yeah. It would be the most exciting wild card game ever. Probably. You could you could bookmark it as of course, yeah, the most exciting playoff game or wild card game in history. Yeah. Because last season everyone was saying, Why can't we get more of this series? Why we wanted more of this series. It was such an exciting series. One game where one team is eliminated, oh my god, there it- would just be so much I mean, so those teams have the craziest bats and like you know such elite offenses. But yes. imagine, imagine like seeing those two teams go all hands on deck with pitching. Yeah. One side has Darvish, Musgrove into Snell. You get do so much there. Other side, you can start Bueller. Need a lefty, go Kershaw. Need a righty again. You know, I mean, you got Urias as a lefty. I mean, there's so many options for both teams. That'd be such a you know there's so many ways to look at that game someone could just take over like a Bueller a Bueller or a, or a Musgrove could just take over or it could be a, a completely different thing where it's you know a complete um I guess kind of slugfest but yeah yeah that would be a crazy series that would be crazy game. I also am looking at imagine I mean a Dodgers Giants right. rivals going rivals. at it in a wild card game I mean that'd be pretty insane as well um I I mean I I, I think I I see the 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 Dodgers kind of taking over and, and winning the division. I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's the smartest pick. Um, Potters, of course, right there as well. It'll probably be, I mean, I'm looking at probably a Padres Giants wild card game. Okay. I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say that'd be the wild card game. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see those two teams going at it. And of course, I think I, I would definitely think that the Potters would be, of course, taking that. Um, but you know, anything's possible with the Giants. I mean, when you got when you got a guy like Gosman pitching on the mound, who's been one of the best. You right. Know, if there's no Degrom this year, Gosman is the Cy Young guy favorite probably he's right leading, now. Right, he's leading right now. For um, sure. And he's been fantastic. And I mean, imagine that. Imagine playing, you know, in, even in, in San Francisco or in San Diego. But uh, yeah, no, I I think Dodgers will take the division. I think it'll be a Giants Padres um, wild card game. Yeah, I I I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to also say that I do see, um, I do see the Dodgers being the most likely team to take over the division if someone's going to step up. They're already not that far behind. I think there's a couple handful of games behind. Um, I know they ended cold against that Marlins series, I believe. But um, And one reason I'm saying that, too, is because every year the Dodgers add someone. They're going to add someone probably. Right. Especially especially with this Bauer uncertainty. <laughs> yes. It's kind of a cloud hanging over. I, I saw I saw an interesting thing on Twitter today. I forget uh, who posted it and in, and in what way, but... Um, Essentially, it was the the gist of it was even if the, even if today or tomorrow Bauer was completely like, uh, in the court of law was determined like okay there's a settlement, there's no guilt or you know however it works essentially you know it's settled and he's a free man he's free to play and all this kind of stuff would the Dodgers even want to keep him around because it it seems like it's kind of just a bad situation there's just kind of some trouble there that they might want to not associate with mm-hmm. and it seems like some players are already kind of turning their backs unfollowing on right. instagram they're already kind of they're already <laughs> kind of turning their backs and with that being the case i think the dodgers mindset has to be 
we're looking to replace that, that signing that we made, regardless of what happened with the investigation, we have to be prepared to have another pitcher take that spot. You know, in a three in a, in a, in a five game series, you're hoping he was going to be one of the games that he would win. You'd put in Bauer and he'd yeah. get the win for you. But they're going to be looking to you know have someone else be that guy uh, at the trade the trade deadline for sure. So that's a good point that you bring up that they're going to be willing to add because they have this hole now that they're going to be aggressive and they're going to want to fill it. Yeah, and I think that he'll you can see that being the next you know almost our pools eating a contract because you just don't want to deal with that person anymore. I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the smartest thing to do is say, we're still going to pay you, but we, we, we don't want to even see you in, in you know, yeah. at our ball ballpark or in our clubhouse again. Yeah. I mean, it's just a bad situation with the, with the chemistry they had. I even thought when the season did start, I thought Trevor Bauer is kind of an interesting, you know, an interesting person to pick up for the Dodgers. He is, he's got an interesting personality and the Dodgers, I feel like all have the right chemistry going for them already. I mean, they won. They, they they feel like a like a real team, yeah. Exactly, and so it was it was an interesting kind of signing. I mean, they had the money for it, so might as well go out go out and get it. But yeah, I don't think he'll be a part of the club, you know, moving forward when he when all that stuff gets settled. And of course, I see them going out and getting a guy like pains me to get out to say this, but getting a guy like Max Scherzer, yeah, something like that, where they can complement Kershaw and Bueller, and then have kind of that three headed monster again, you know, going out in the playoffs. So. Uh, yeah, I definitely see them, of course, getting someone at the deadline and, of course, also, you know, winning the division. Yeah, I, I do see them winning the division as well. Um, but, of course, you know, the Padres and the Giants are both teams that they've proved it so far that they should not be slept on. Um, so it is going to be exciting to track that race going into the second half of the season. Um, yeah, I, I could see going a handful of ways. And if we did end up with any of those teams and any combination facing off in the wild card game, it's going to be an exciting game because those teams are, are all talented and they're all playing great Definitely, baseball. Definitely, yep. So I'll move on to the, to the next topic, Travis. The next question I have written down here. Um, this one's kind of simple. It's just kind of uh, our kind of own predictions based on the certain category. So the question is, who will be the batting champion at the end of this season? So we're, you know, just past halfway in terms of the game's point i'll kind of run down the top uh, leaderboard for batting average right now in in baseball mm-hmm. right now vladdy guerrero is at a 0. 0.332 so a 332 batting average that's just one point above castellanos at a 331 then uh frazier on the on the pittsburgh pirates is at 330 so those guys are just one point apart yeah brantley a few points down uh brantley uh, uh for houston at 326 Xander Bogarts at 321, uh, Trey Turner at 318, Mullins at 314, Gurriel for Houston, 313, uh, Fletcher. What wow, a, what a climb for David Fletcher! I did not know he was up in the top 10 when I started reading this list. I just <laughs> wow, so three, 309 for Fletcher. That's what history will do for you. And then uh, Tim Anderson at 309. So I guess Travis, the main question here is, you know, can a guy like Guerrero Castellanos keep this up? Is their batting average being this high? Is that going to be legit? Is that going to continue? Or are one of these guys in the middle or the bottom of this kind of list going to make the climb up and get hot at the right time? What do you see happening with this kind of race for batting average? Yeah, you know, we haven't really seen a guy like Guerrero Castellanos keep this up, I think, in a, in almost five seasons or more. I mean, I'm looking back at the last time, you know, in 2015, Miguel Cabrera had the batting uh batting title in 2015 it's funny it's funny you say that my first thought with Guerrero when if Guerrero won it my thought immediately was like the Miggy triple crown year. yeah like when Miggy was like an MVP kind of guy 
he was the batting champion, even though he was more of a slugger. Yeah. That kind of showed how yep. good he was. So that's kind of the year Guerrero's having, but please continue. Yeah. And, and then you look also in 2018, Mookie, you know, he was a great player, uh, you know, had the percentage numbers, didn't have a lot of home runs, but he had, you know, he still cracked, I think, 30 something home runs that mm-hmm. year. Um, for me, I actually really see it possibly going to either Adam Frazier of the Pittsburgh Pirates or Michael Brantley of the Astros. I think both those guys are strong uh, contenders for the batting title. Um, Castellanos and Guerrero Jr. I think they'll, I think they'll, of course, keep consistent when it comes to the power numbers and just being overall productive. I think it could slip a little bit. Possibly see Guerrero Jr. probably in the three twenty somewhere, as well as Castellanos. Um, and of course, see guy like Frazier, who's pretty much his only philosophy going up to the plate is making contact with the ball getting a base hit. and getting a base hit. Yeah. He is the leadoff guy. So that's why I can see him getting kind of a higher average than a couple of the other guys, but also Brantley too. The guy's been, I mean, I, ever since he went to Houston, he's just he's just worked with them. And it, it, it pains me because I've seen that for so long as an Angels fan. Yeah. And then this offseason, he was traded or he signed with the Blue Jays. And then that was denied about an hour later. Yeah, that and was one of the wildest. By night, seats. by nighttime, it said, "Oh, never mind. Brantley's going back to the Astros." And I'm yeah. just like, "God, like we, we were about to get Springer and Brantley out of the Astros." Okay, uh, like out of, over to the East. You yeah, guys can deal get him with them. out of here. And it ended up being, you know what? Never mind. He's going to stay with the Astros. But yeah, for me, Brazier, Brazier. Uh, Brantley or Frazier will be, um, for me, the two guys that will be, you know, batting I, titles. I like those picks. I really do like the Brantley pick just because his, like, bat-on-ball numbers have been so good. I think whenever you, whenever David Fletcher comes up to bat, uh, when he's been, you know, really good at avoiding strikeouts, I guess, like, one of Fletcher's claim to fame is, like, he's so good at putting the bat on the ball, just making contact, uh, putting the ball in play, essentially. He does not swing and miss very often. And you're the, they're show that leaderboard of like who are the best guys in baseball. I like they get the fewest whiffs, and it's yeah. always Fletcher and Brantley one and two in some order. For you know last year, this year, 2019, it's always those two guys as like they put the bat on the ball. They don't swing and miss very often at all. So that's why I think Brantley is a good pick because if he just puts the ball in play enough, he can get a nice little hot streak and he can just run away with it. So that's a good pick. I do think a guy like Trey Turner could be could be a sneaky kind of pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the speed to turn some outs into hits, even like some infield grounders. He can beat that kind of stuff out. Um, you know, that's another interesting factor to his game. Uh, you know, he, he, there's a lot of good options here. I think Mullins, a guy, a guy like Mullins and a guy like uh, Castellanos and a guy like Gurriel, I see them kind of cooling down a bit. They had very hot first halves uh, for their own standards. I think they're all good players, but I do see them, you know, taking a bit of a step back in terms of batting average. Uh, I could see Tim Anderson or Fletcher getting really hot, but 309 is kind of a long way to climb. If I mean, yeah. either of those guys could end up at 320, and that could be the winner. You know, it, who knows where these guys end up? But um, but I will say too, saying that seeing that Fletcher climbed, I mean, he, Travis, what, 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 what did he climb like 40 points? I think a month and a half ago he was down like. 230 or something. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was in the 250s, 260s, and it was like, oh, this isn't really Fletcher. Fletcher's more of a 290 guy. Yeah. And then we just see this hitting streak and then this, this completely different player. Counting, yeah. So, and that'll be something as well, seeing in the second half starting tomorrow, Fletcher continuing that hitting streak. The road to Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. Is approaching. It, it, is, it is. We're just getting started, folks. We're just getting started. <laughs> this 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 train is not stopping anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a simple question. I think we kind of covered like I guess our, our best Definitely. thoughts there. Um, but I'll continue moving along here. Um, another question I wrote down, Travis, that we can kind of discuss here uh, is a pretty simple one, but uh, 
essentially it's more of a, a let's, let's see what you what you think. So essentially, is it going to be possible, or what's the likelihood of Jacob Degrom having an ERA below one point one two? Could he get the all time record for ERA in a season? What do you think about that? What you know in the modern era, one point one two has been the milestone set by Bob Gibson in mm-hmm. uh, nineteen sixty eight legendary you know uh an mvp effort for him he won the mvp that year for the yep. national league is that going to be beatable by the grom he's been incredible this season but there's several starts to go for him can you do it what do you think yeah i mean i i don't i don't think he it's sad to say i, I don't think he will um of course looking at gibson back in 68 he actually was getting better and better as the season went on so his area was actually dropping whereas you see kind of guys you know They'll have this ERA, and then of course, when the sample size sample size gets bigger, of course the ERA is going to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely see it, of course, staying. Of I definitely see it staying in the ones. You know, I definitely see it possibly like a one point six, a one point five, something like that. Mm-hmm. That'd be really incredible to see that. Uh, that that right there would be, I think, would be definitely deserving of possibly you know the MVP for the National League if he can have about a one point five ERA throughout the season. It, it, it's it'd be incredible but right. bob gibson's mark is a little it's it, it's, it's, it's really reach. crazy yeah it's really crazy to be at that level but you know who knows i mean he is the best pitcher of you know possibly the past this era yeah. the best past 10 years and so i wouldn't be surprised if that happened as well because you know just how dominant he is um and it's crazy that he was a converted shortstop into yeah. Yeah. a pitcher it's just i mean it's like and he, one of one of the best hitting pitchers in the game if there's not a guy named Shohei Otani, of course. Yeah. But DeGrom is almost doing everything out there, um, you know, at the plate and also on the mound. But I think that it'll be probably a little bit above Bob Gibson's. But Sure, yeah, and that's a very fair take. So, yeah, currently DeGrom is at a 1.08, and you're totally right in saying that he started hotter than he has been just recently. Uh, he started out as like, you know, a 0.5 for like a while there. And he was like dropping down and down. Then he had like a three run outing and a two run outing. And he's up at 1.08 now, which is uh, still by far leading baseball. Um, he's really built a gap there. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I do think, you know, it's on the table. I think it is very unlikely that he, he uh, I guess... I think it'll be a long time before you know the 1.12 number kind of becomes out of reach for him. Uh, it would be very fun to track Travis. What if he's like at a 1.2, 1.25 with like a month to go, and we're like, okay, like yeah. it's on the table. He has to get like three shutouts, and he's there. And, that, and that'd be that'd be so fun. And that's to watch. what's insane is you're asking for a shutout, which a, right. a pitcher does not get every start, and it's right. it's, it's almost you're almost so low that it's it's kind of like the average thing as well. If you're betting 400 and you want to go and try to take over Ted Williams number. Um, and you know, you go, you go two for five one night, you're betting 400 and you're not going to climb above 401, you know? And so it's just such a insane number that you'd be asking him to go, you know, three, four straight starts of no runs given up. Right. Depending on, of course, the matchups and who he's, who he's pitching against, you know, it could possibly happen, but you know, I'm guessing they're not going to be really, you know, playing to that. They're going to want to say we want to get to the playoffs first, and then we can think about Degrom's, you know, numbers after that. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be insane, especially with it being the NL East being so competitive and having so many good individual players, and that's who you're going to be playing mostly in September. Yep. 
it's going to be kind of insane to do those kind of marks and accomplish those kind of feats uh, in the month of September because we know that's going to be where it kind of is broken or achieved um, with that stat. Yeah, and so what I'll also add is you brought up a good point. Getting the shutout for a pitcher, that's such a tall ask. It's such a big, I guess, you know, making that the expectation is just completely unfair to the pitcher, especially in today's game, Travis, because the home run is so prevalent. I'm looking at some numbers here. And DeGrom this season has allowed 3.8 hits per nine. That's a crazy low number. He's getting so many strikeouts and so much weak contact um, that it's crazy. And that's because today's today's game, guys are swinging for the fences, right? Yeah. So he gets so few hits, but he has allowed 0.6 homers per nine, which compared to Gibson, Gibson had 0.3 homers per nine in his great 1968 season. So the homers today could almost end up screwing DeGrom over just because he may down the stretch be kind of close to Gibson. He may be like in the low in the low ones, but if he just has a couple games where a couple solo shots or a two-run shot leave the ballpark, it could just kill the whole season uh, race there. Um, that's just the way the game is today, Travis. Like these guys swing for the fence, and if a couple fastballs just kind of get squared up, it's just, uh, it's just game over for, for that race. And Gibson didn't really have that issue back in the day because... So many guys are swinging for contact, and so Gibson was allowing a lot more hits than Degrom, but much fewer runs. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that's the difference there. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting race, and it'd be super cool to see that be a tight race down the stretch. Uh, that'd be super fun to watch uh, for, for the fans. Be really hist- uh, just another historic thing happening this season, yeah. Along with the Otani stuff, along with these young guys getting going crazy. So that'd be super fun. Um, an- another another I guess question, Travis, I can float your way. Uh, it, 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 this is kind of something we've talked about a lot, uh, just you and me personally, not even on the podcast, but a, a debate we always have is regarding third baseman, right? This is almost kind of what started like our whole corner. like our, yeah. our, our whole like kind of baseball back and forth of like, you know, just debating things kind of started out with like the 2019 season, Travis. Those, I, th- those Twitter DMs were just... It was long. Th- th- those, were, those were novels written in, right. written in that, yeah. Right, yeah. It was, we were writing, writing scientific... Uh, papers research papers <laughs> and, and 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 so just just to catch the readers the listeners up uh you are such an arenado guy and you love his consistency to year mm-hmm. to year and you love the fact that his like last five years you can look at him as like this guy five years straight puts up the numbers i after 2019 had crowned in my mind uh alex bregman <laughs> as the third baseman that's right this was a before the cheating scandal which does definitely change some things, but the fact that Bregman uh, had the 2019 that he did, it was the best. Uh, he had the best offensive season in the AL outside of Mike Trout, uh, and you know I just figured that he, in my mind, from both like a WAR perspective and, and a batting perspective, was better than Arenado uh, at that point after 2019. And then Travis, after 2020, the short season, Bregman didn't do so hot. Arenado didn't do so hot. Rendon did pretty solid still. Yeah. So he almost kind of climbed up to the top of that leaderboard. But then also in 2020, Machado has a good year. Jose Ramirez has a good year. Chapman plays good D like always. So it really kind of messed up the conversation, right? So the question now I'm asking you is who is going to be the best third baseman in baseball at the end of 2021? Going into the 2022 season, this next coming offseason, who are we going to say? Who's going to be the hot stove third baseman best in baseball? You pretty much have those same guys in the conversation. Yep. And mm-hmm. you're going to be adding Devers in the conversation as well because he has come on the scene in a big way, starting the American League, uh, the American League All Star game for at third base. Uh, so where do you see this race going for best third baseman in baseball? Where do you see it going these next few months into the next offseason? Yeah, and looking 
before the season started, I know MLB came out with like, of course, their top ten in every position, and yeah. they had, I believe, they had Rendon. I think it was Rendon number one. Rendon number one. It might have been Aaron number two, maybe, but mm-hmm. um, Rendon was definitely the guy that I was like, you know, what? he's approaching, he's approaching Arenado for me because of he's got he's got a good glove and he's got a great bat. He's got a consistent bat, good on base, good slugging as well, and also and the contact. Be a, he lived at all levels: the contact, the power, exactly. the walking. Yeah. And when he played the Nationals in, in 2019, I think he was batting almost like 320 that season and had the most RBIs in baseball. And so I was like, you know, this guy's bursting onto the scene. And it's funny because he took away Arenado's silver slugger that year. Right. And it would have been five years straight of an all-star appearance, a top five MVP vote, a gold glove, and a silver slugger for Arenado. So he was on a pretty insane stretch. That would have been historic, yeah. In 2015 to 2019, he was achieving all these crazy marks um, of course, this season, looking at it, Rendon's been injured. He has been, you know, not himself for the first half. I think he could he could pick it up. You know, he yeah. just got to have a lot of support behind him as I, well. I think we'll see the old Rendon at some point. Yeah, it has been yeah. an injury ridden, injury riddled stretch for him. Yeah, he's not done. Um, haven't seen too much of Bregman. I know he's been on the injury bug, and also just kind of just hasn't been. Uh, I think himself, I ever since 2019, 2020 was just kind of like, you know, eh, but I wasn't really grading anyone in 2020. I didn't really care if you had a bad or a good season. Yeah. I was, you know what, 20, 20 games, 60 games. I, I, I don't really care too much, you know. Um, so I think going into it, I, at the end of this season, I mean, I'm still, still gonna be very high, of course, on Arenado. Yeah. Um, only reason why Arenado is because every season that he plays, every ballpark he plays in he flashes a leather he's still going to possibly win gold glove in the nl and also possibly platinum glove as well um we got we're seeing brooks robinson playing third base today right now um at the hot corner so i really appreciate that and then of course the numbers this season they're always you know and eh, you know we knew the numbers were gonna take a little bit of a, of a drop off from coors but looking at this season, he still um, has has a slugging above 500, mm-hmm. and then um, also still has 17 home runs with about 56 RBIs. So could could potentially still finish the season with 35 to 40 home runs and 100 and something RBIs, which of course is still a very productive season. Um, but Devers is the guy I say right now is is slowly kind He's of climbing. trickling up. Yep. Only because 18 and 19. We knew this guy was just a, an extra base, extra base hit machine. This guy was one of the best bats at the hot corner. Um, and what he's doing this season, I mean, we're definitely seeing that right now. He is He's a guy that actually could be approaching the whole Correa, Guerrero, Otani MVP conversation because the Red Sox are doing well and Devers is doing really well as, as also. So yeah. he's a guy that could be in the top five. But um, for me, I'll still give the love to Nolan Arenado being, uh, being the top guy at the, at the hot corner. But, sure. you know... Guys like Rendon, I want to see, of course, get back into it. Um, it'll be an interesting grading that we do come, you know, October and November yeah. when these awards start coming out. It is interesting, though, that it does feel like it's so uncertain right now, right? There's no clear favorite. Arenado is having an all-star year, but, like, if you look at his numbers, it's not one of his better years. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like Jose Ramirez had such a good 2020 as well as such a good 2018, I believe it was. Uh, I mean, Jose, a guy like Jose Ramirez... I feel like every year his bat is surprisingly good. He also brings incredible value in the base pass. I got like Jose Ramirez. I do feel like he's very underrated in these kind of conversations. Machado, um, I think Machado was leading actually uh, NL third baseman in war 
and almost miss out in the All-Star game, which was almost almost a really big snub. They, yeah. did, they did get him in as a replacement, which was good for him. Um, it's such an interesting interesting kind of debate. There's so many angles you could take. Um, I do I do appreciate your Arenado pick because he does kind of combine the defense of a guy like Chapman with the bat of like maybe a Machado kind of kind of bat. Um, Machado a good, a good glove himself, but yeah, I do see Devers slowly climbing into the conversation. And I do think the award, you know, the title of best third baseman could be his in three, four years. Will it be his at the end of the season? I think that might be a bit premature. Uh, it really comes down to me if Rendon can pick it back up. If Rendon can have, you know, look like, you know, his 2020 self, not even, not even his 2019 self, which was which was an MVP kind of guy. Yeah. Just his 2020 self where he was a well above average hitter, just a great guy get, accruing tons of war. If he can just do that for the second half of this season... I would give it to him saying you're still the best guy in my mind just because I'm not going to grade you too harshly on that first half of 2021 where you had three different IL stints for three different injuries. There's a groin strain here. Who knows what else? Um, just tons of small nagging things. I can't, I can't, you know, taking someone off the, off the king of the mountain for half a season of injuries, you know, that seems a little rough in my mind. Um, and he was my best third baseman going into this season in my mind. So... Yeah, it's an interesting debate. Uh, I, I I think we kind of covered all the main contenders. Devers, you, you interestingly enough mentioned Devers is like an MVP kind of guy. And I honestly feel like it's going to be tough for the Red Sox because if they end up being like a top three record in the AL, if they end up being, you know, the runaway with the division, some one of their players is going to have to have like a top five MVP kind yeah. of consideration. Yeah. And the problem is that Bogarts and Devers are probably going to take away some votes from each other, right? Yeah. So one That's of those true. one of those two guys of you know, a voter who's saying, Oh, the Red Sox deserve some credit. I'll write in I'll write in Bogarts as like my second pick behind Otani or behind Guerrero or whatever. Yeah. And that they might that guy might put Devers like down at five. But then the other writer might have Devers up at two and Bogarts down at five. So it's kind of funny the way that works. We might very well see a Bogarts Devers kind of both being top ten, but neither being like top three. Maybe one guy does crack into that very top echelon with Guerrero and Otani. We'll have to wait and see. But Devers, I do agree. The talent, uh, the, the the way the way the, the way the ball is going off his bat, the exit velocity stuff, it's always super impressive. Uh, he's just slugging right now, so um, I, I I'm I'm I, I'm very okay with people kind of saying he's like the next coming. He's like you know you better watch out for him because. I think he's coming on the scene in a big way. Yeah, and it was funny. I was watching when the Red Sox were in town playing the Angels. They had a little stat line um, on the TV, and it showed actually only five Red Sox players in the Red Sox history, five players with 400 or more extra base hits as a Red Sox, member of the Red Sox. And, of course— You said 400 extra base hits? 400 extra base hits, yep. So And uh, Xander had just reached that mark. Mm -hmm. He had just reached it. And then he had guys like— Yastrzemski, you had guys like Williams, uh, not really too certain of the two other guys. Maybe, but like, maybe like Rice or something. It, you know, I think you're right. It was a Rice, and then there was one other guy that was, I, I hadn't heard his name before, but it was five guys that have, have been reaching that mark playing on the Red Sox. I was interested enough to look up Devers' numbers because he's an X-Race hit machine. Mm-hmm. And Devers, you know, pretty much making his debut in 2018, he's already at 200 and 37 extra base hits on his career. That is crazy. And so you think oh about that, and, and he's already he's already more like, than halfway there. He's almost ha- yeah. He's he's like he's beyond halfway to uh, Bogarts. Yeah, and Bogarts is like a veteran. And Bogarts and Devers is like in his second like full season. Exactly. And you see Bogarts already starting in uh, in in 2013 when he made his debut. It's it's insane because. 
this guy Devers is, you know, slowly just kind of taking over. And looking at Devers as well, I believe he's honestly only, I think, 23 years old or 24 years old. But uh, but looking at it right now, yeah, he actually is uh, 24 years old, going to be 25 um, coming up this October. But, I mean, yeah. It's just insane. I mean, I mean, you, you think that he'll be a Red Sox for his 20s and that he'll probably be, you know, a Red Sox, hopefully, if they want to lock him down and keep him there for... I don't know why they know, wouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't. And so uh, it was an interesting stat that came up and I was just like, wow, you know, I, I just wanted to take a look at uh, Devers because, you know, you look at all these Red Sox greats like, you know, Big Poppy, Manny Ramirez... Um, the list goes on and on, but yeah, his, I mean Ted Williams, like the history of the of, yeah, of the organization, exactly, yeah. exactly. But it was just interesting to see Bogarts was on that list, and then of course Devers is quickly, quickly approaching that list as well. Um, it'd be interesting to have both those guys on that list, and then of course they're both teammates and they're both playing the left side of the infield. Uh, what kind of a almost historic Red Sox left side of the infield they are possibly having right now. For sure. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, I could see them both being like MVP conversation guys. If, if the Red Sox kept both those guys, they could both be like top 10 MVP guys for a five-year five, five span here. For definitely, sure, definitely. For sure. Definitely, I would, I would say really undercover guys and really making strong cases for, of course, the Hall of Fame as their careers progress. But they are, of course, uh, top-notch guys, top-level guys every, year in and year out. Yeah. So. And then, so I'll 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 keep the ball rolling with another question here. Um, this one is just a bit of predicting, kind of a bit of just kind of I guess a bit of guessing, but just kind of put your own spin on it. Who do you see uh, if you had to pick an A on an NL team to win the pennant uh, for each each league? Essentially, uh, you know, in October when the playoffs are are you know full steam ahead so it's obviously hard to see that far into the future because we don't even know which teams are going to be winning their divisions yet there's a lot up in the air still but if you had to pick you know who are your favorites essentially you know uh i guess who yeah who you pick in each league so go ahead and break break that down for me in your head well if i'm sticking with my vegas picks then it's going to be angels and yankees and then <laughs> in the nl it's going to be the braves but i think right now those just are look pretty I pretty might, rough i might put those in the trash Travis. <laughs> Uh, not yet, man. Not, not yet. Not a- yet. Angels, angels. You know, I, I'm I'm keeping the faith, but yeah. Uh, no, right now, um, AL. I mean, I got to say, Houston. Yeah. I mean, they're they're playoff tested. They they succeed in the playoffs. Last year, they went in. I feel like just totally limping into the playoffs. They were, a lo- they were a losing team. They were a losing team going to Minnesota to play a team that was having a good year, and Minnesota had been on a pretty good track the past couple seasons. And finally, trying to end that playoff drought for winning a ball game, and just took it to the Twins, came to LA on Dodger Field soil, took it to the A's, yeah, then went to Petco in San Diego, and almost came back down 3-0 to the Rays, forced a game seven. I, I it was blowing, it was blowing my mind that the at the Astros, who were just, I, I feel like they were just spit on and they were just beat up that season because yeah. of all the cheating scandals. Everybody losing, hated them. Co- losing Cole, Verlander injured. Yeah. yeah the, and the, every every player was performing worse. It, it was a down year for Bregman. Altuve was not hitting great. Altuve was batting down like a, below 200 at yeah, some point. Yeah, and his defense was completely awful. And it, so... Yeah, it, it, they, they were so down in the dumps. And then you're right, in the playoffs, they just returned to their kind of... The expectation, you know, they kind of rose to the expectation. Everyone, especially Springer and Altuve, like always, they got hot in the playoffs. 
Um, so I, I do see that pick making a lot of sense. Yeah, no one wants. I mean, no one wants to play the Astros in the playoffs. And it's funny to say, usually the the hot topic for the past twenty years, if not hundred years, was you don't want to play the Yankees in the playoffs. Right. Yankees have been to them twice, and they've yeah, and they've kicked their butt. Yeah, come up short. And so, yeah, Astros from right now are the AL favorites for the pennant. NL, it's tough because you just it, it's such a scramble of teams. You know, of course you want to go with the Dodgers because. The been, Dodgers have been, been there. there so many times. Uh, you want to see Padres because Padres, you know, I think that they might have learned a little bit about themselves last season, losing to the Dodgers. But I think that if they can get everything back, everyone healthy, all their guys are all veteran guys. You know, Darvish has been there. Uh, you know, Snell's been there. All their relievers have been there. And so I want to say Padres as well. Um, but, I mean, I don't want to get away, of course, from – having to face DeGrom in the playoffs. Yeah. And I don't want to get away from having to face the Milwaukee Brewers three-headed monster of a rotation. I mean, that mm-hmm. that just scares me too. I see playoffs every single year, and it always comes down, of course, to the pitching. It always comes down to the defense. And honestly, it always comes down to the bullpen. So many t- times, you literally get a starting pitcher going to the fourth or the fifth inning, and then the bullpen has to come in and just kind of figure out a way to win that ball game. Yeah. And so, you know, I look at the Padres bullpen and it looks really good. I look at even the Brewers bullpen with Hayter and Devin Williams and a couple of those guys. It looks really good. So, uh for me though, I'm going to I'm going to go with kind of the popular pick. I'm going to say it's actually I'm going to go with the Padres. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Padres. You think it's I, their year? I think it's their year. I think the Dodgers have a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a hangover. I think they have some distractions right now with their team, of course, with the Paul Bauer thing. but And some injuries as well. Seager missed a lot of time. You yeah. Know, they, Dodgers really need to get right and get healthy in order to be that team they were last year. And I think that most of the Do- most of the pir- Pirates are not even going to be there. <laughs> I think they'll be there. <laughs> I think most of the Padres players have a chip on their shoulder as this is the year where, you know, we kind of... We, we took disrespect from last season with the Dodgers, and this is the season we kind of take it to them. So I see Padres being in that. That'd be a really exciting World Series. Padres-Astros, that'd be awesome oh, to see. Of course, of course, yeah. Astros-Dodgers would be would be exciting as well. That'd be... Oh, yeah. That, that'd be so cool to see because then it'd be like, all right, you guys you guys claim... You know, we, you guys thought we were cheating in 2017 if we did or if we didn't, but here we are. We're going to bring it to you guys again, or, you well, know? Well, the, the thing with the Astros that makes them such an exciting team to make their World Series is that the NL team is really, really going to want to beat them. I mean, anyway, everyone wants to, everyone, yeah. even in the ALCS, ALDS, if the, if the Astros make it to those series, their opponent is really going to want to beat them because they do feel like they were robbed of something when they faced the Astros back yep. in 2017. Yep. They felt like, you know, uh, there was an unfair playing field. And for that reason, they not only hate, you know, the Astros organization, but they hate those players and they want to stick it to them. So that's all good points there. Um, the AL, I completely agree. I think it's the Astros. At the, it's the Astros league to lose. I think that they should be the runaway favorites. I don't see. I mean, a team like Boston, if 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 their pitchers are clicking at the right time, and if Devers and Bogarts and and Martinez can all be hot at the right time, for sure they could beat the Astros. Without a doubt, they could. It, especially just in 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 a, in a seven game series, they absolutely could. But I don't think the White Sox are a really great team. Uh, I like their pitching. Especially with, uh, you know, I guess the way Lynn and uh, and Rodon have been uh, performing so far, I do think if Giolito can kind of step back up into what he was doing in twenty twenty, all of a sudden you're looking at a three headed monster right there in the central, and and hopefully if you know if their bats are healthy, then then they're one of the scariest teams that there is. But I do think the Astros 
not only for the been there, done that factor, but also just from the talent perspective. I mean, like we covered a couple weeks ago, they're my number one team in terms of power rankings right now. I just think that their offense, as well as their overall team value, is just kind of running away with everything right now in baseball. For the National League, um, I, I'm in agreement that the Dodgers are the... They should be the safe pick. They should be the... Uh, you know, like we keep saying, they've been there, they've done it. Uh, they've proven to us that they can make it to the World Series uh, almost almost effortlessly, right, at times. But uh, I do think the Brewers are a sneaky pick. The Brewers and the Mets, Travis, because think about it like this. This is, just, this is just some kind of general projection, but the way we think things will probably go is like this. We they th- never happen for me, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the, the way we think things probably will go is that there will be two NOS teams in the wild card. Mm-hmm. And then we think that probably the other NOS team will have the best record. So that would be the one versus the four. So pretty much that means one NOS team will be in the NLCS. And then either the Brewers slash if someone else sneaks up, but probably the Brewers and probably the Mets yeah, that's will be true. in the other end. So you can almost kind of say Brewers-Mets. One of these teams will be in the NLCS you know, it's too early to tell that for sure, but that's the way things are looking. And so if that were to continue, you can kind of say one of those teams, like, do we like that matchup with, can the Brewers have a good matchup against the Dodgers? Can the Mets have a good matchup against the Padres? You kind of look at it that way. So there's a lot of ways to kind of angle it. Um, I do agree with what you said. Facing the Mets pitching or the Brewers pitching in an NLCS is going to be really tough for the NL West squads when they do meet there. Um, and I will say one thing too, the number one seeds historically, ever since the wildcard um, playout play-in game era, the the number one seeds in the playoffs usually get kind of beat up in that first NL or ALDS they usually, round. They usually tested, yeah, for sure. That wildcard team has been playing playoff baseball for the past two weeks to finish out the season, to get them into that game. And then, of course, the game is where they kind of put all their strengths into just one final product for nine innings. And then the winner of that game, they go on to play the number one seed. The number one seed usually has been kind of taking their foot off the throttle for the past couple of weeks. I'm sure we both remember 2014 with the Angels and the Royals. Yeah. That was just painful. Painful. Um, but, but yeah, that's a really good point because 2019, Travis, the, the the Nationals were that hot team. Exactly. And they went out and beat the Dodgers in five. And then on the other side of the bracket, we saw the Rays were the wildcard team. And Travis, that 2019 Astros teams was probably one of the best teams of my life. Oh, scary. Yeah. It was such a good team. They were pushed to the edge, game five of that first round. And they were going up against uh, the Rays, who were like this kind of sneaky yeah, team. Exactly. Uh, pushed to the edge by this you know, wildcard winner. And like, you know, the Rays have always been sneaky good and have had that kind of upside. But, you know, we never really saw them as being like a real threat that year in 2019. Yet somehow, of course... They pushed the Astros to five. So, like you, like you're saying, one of these wild card teams could very well sneak into the the, the championship series, the World Series for sure. Um, I guess I'll move on to one final question before we wrap things up here, Travis. The last question I'm going to ask you is: So we just kind of discussed about some of the favorites to win the pennants, but if you had to pick a sleeper, a team that's not really favored right now, but a team you think has the potential to sneak into the World Series, where would you lean? You can look at the AL. And that wild card race, you can look at the NL and some of these other teams that are, you know, maybe due for a, a good second half. What do you see happening with that? My heart says Angels. Um, I hope that's true. But, um, you know, sleeper teams that could potentially get to the World Series. Uh, you know, I think about I think about the Rays. I 
the Rays have kind of just been that team where I feel like every year they're always written off. Um, but I, for some reason, I just got to stick. I don't know why. I just got to stick with the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. I don't know why. You know, it's funny. Last year was such a big year for Tampa Bay and like the state of Florida. And I feel like this year could be a big year for oh, the city of Milwaukee or something like that. If the Bucks like can pull this out, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, at least just get in there. But yeah. no, I mean, I see the rotation and it just, it's so complete and they just have three just dominating pitchers. And then I see the bullpen that's so dominating as well. And it just takes almost one guy. I mean, yeah. if you can have it Christian takes, Yelich yeah. just get back to somewhat of a 2018, or, 2019 or, or just form. A, just, just, the, just for two weeks. Exactly. In the postseason. Yeah. Exactly. You have a guy of that potential with, on that roster. I mean, the Brewers, they're just not a really kind of, you know, they're, they're not a pick that everyone would be saying the Brewers. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're nobody, you know, they might not even make the playoffs. But to me, they have a really scary roster. Um, when it comes to the pitching side of things. And that, of course, I think is what wins ball games. You have a good defensive team as well. You know, guys like Lorenzo Kane and um, Colton Wong playing. Those are just great yeah. defensive guys, and pitchers love defense. And, I mean, they're, they're going to be looking at battling, you know. And the, the Brewers are also a team probably looking to add. Exactly. Well, which, is, which is another whole I don't know another aspect to it where they could maybe use another bat. They've already added Adamas, and they added uh, – Rowdy Tellez, Te- Te- I don't That's know. That's right, Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yep. So, so uh, essentially, they're a team to pair with, to pair with Big Dan Vol- Vogelbach. Yeah, unfortunately, he, I, you saw that play where he was like hobbling home on the. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I don't know what happened there, but he was, he's just a funny look. I mean, he he does not look like a baseball player, but he just looks like like Babe Ruth if he was just yeah. Maybe he spent a little more time at like the Donut Factory, but yeah. you know, <laughs> he's just a funny guy. But but yeah, no, they have a fun squad. They have a fun team, and like I said. It just takes one guy. You look back at 2015, the Mets, nobody thought they would be anything. And you look at a guy like Daniel Murphy, just taking them all the way to the World Series. Didn't win it, but taking them all the way there. The Brewers could have someone like that. Yeah. You know, Willie Adamas is a guy that actually has already been there. So he can be a really good influential piece. Um, a lot of those guys that actually were there in 2018 when they went to, I think it was either game six or seven with the Dodgers in the NLCS. They're all pretty much there again. Yeah. So, a lot of the same guys are there, and a lot of the guys already have experience. Colton Wong has tons of playoff experience. Almost, it's a good point. Like, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's been Yelich there. has been in the postseason before. You know, Wong has been in the postseason before. Uh, you know, Woodruff was pitching in the postseason last year. Hit a bomb off Kershaw in the game one of the NLCS in 2018. I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. I mean it, it, they got guys that have all been there, and when it comes down to that, I mean, it's interesting when you say the matchups. If they're playing the Mets in the NLDS – Imagine saying we're going to put our four starter against Jacob Degrom and give him that game, yeah. and then you say, "All right, now it's our turn," and you just have this onslaught because Jacob Degrom probably is not throwing until Game Five if they get there. Right. But you have literally a full stacked Brewers rotation right Waiting, then and there. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, yeah, a Brewers Mets series would be very interesting and very fun. I do think the Mets, in my mind, are one of these sleeper teams. Uh, for, you know, if I had to pick a sleeper who I think could make the World Series, it really comes down to me, Travis. And it's kind of a cop out. It's kind of a cop out answer. It's kind of like a you know a cheap cheap shot. But whatever team is going to add, there's tons of you know whisperings. Chris Bryant to the where yep. Trevor Story, where can he go? Max Scherzer, where can he go? All these guys are super high impact. I think and would make a difference in a postseason series. I got like a Rizzo, a Kimbrel, these kind of guys. If any of them go to a Mets, to a Brewers team, to an Angels, 
to uh, you know maybe the A's or the Rays want to actually you know trade for someone. Don't, and don't play with my emotions when you say Angels, man. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's <laughs> it, it, it's on the table, and it, it's really going to come down to you know which team is going to get aggressive. And I feel Charles, it feels like whenever some team makes that extra push. When the Astros added Verlander, they made it to the World Series. When the Astros added Granke, they made it to the World Series. No, you know? definitely, definitely. When, when teams make that like deadline, you know, acquisition, it almost always makes some sort of difference. Um, and I do really, you know, Machado going to the Dodgers that one year, um, they went to the World Series again. Uh, they were already they were already that really good team. But you know, even if you're already good, you add that one piece, it could help you a lot. So, yeah. um, I really do think that uh, the team that adds. Uh, in terms of like these kind of fringe teams that you don't really think of as like a favorite, one of those teams could add a big piece. All of a sudden, they're right there with the big dogs. So yeah, if if a, if, a, if a Brewers team wanted to get Story, maybe the Yankees want to get like a, a Story or someone like that. You know, they could easily be in, in, back in the swing of things. So I would hope um, the Rockies are selling. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I letting just letting his contract expire. I don't know what you're doing. You're just almost crippling your team long term with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think there's tons of ways we could see it going, and it's all going to come down to how front offices want to approach this trade deadline, and and I guess you know it's also about getting hot at the right time. But yeah, I think the Brewers and the Mets uh, are both teams to look at as like if they added one good bat or one good defender, you know what have you, it could really change a lot. Um, I also try to do think that you know if if I had to pick a sleeper team, let's assume all the AL wildcard guys they all get hot, right? Who do I think of those teams could really be scary in a series? I really think the Angels could be very scary mm-hmm. to a team like the Astros or a team like the White Sox. If the Angels just snuck in and then, you know, maybe you acquire a pitcher, like we said, acquisition is going to be huge. You acquire a pitcher for game one, you got Otani game two. If you have Trout, Rendon, and Otani all healthy, and, you know, Walsh has been a model of consistency, seeing something like that. That's going to be one of the best offenses in the postseason, and so all you really need is the pitchers to have a hot couple weeks, and you could you could you could make some big things happen. Obviously, I have some bias going into that take, but I do think that there's a lot of upside there for like a, a potential upset. You know, we did see us fare very well against the White Sox in the first first series of the whole season, and that's when we were fully healthy. One of the Travis, one of the only times of the whole year where we were fully healthy. Um, so. Uh, that's that, true. That, that's my take. That's true. And we, we went up against the White Sox, went against the Toronto Blue Jays, and just kind of took it to both those teams. Yeah. Um, and no, then there's been injuries since. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I agree with you. I've always I've always thought the Angels' offense is possibly one of the scariest in the AL, if not in the MLB. It is right up there with some of the great teams. Um, they can compete. You have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in the same lineup, as well as Rendon, Upton, Fletcher, Walsh. Even guys that are producing like uh, you Stassi, know Stassi and, 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 and Iglesias too. Um, I think it's a very scary, of course, offense. Of course, the big question is the pitching side. Can you get their young arms, um, Suarez and Sandoval, to kind of lead them to that? I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be guys to go to in the playoffs. I don't know if they're ready for playoff baseball yet. But but can they give you a couple innings in a, in a big moment? Exactly. And honestly, what we've seen is Suarez and Centerville giving us three innings of just clean baseball. And so getting that and then also giving it to our starter in Shohei Otani or going to someone possibly that's just been newly acquired. Yeah. Um, I can see that also with Andrew Heaney kind of being our guy that we've seen for the past five, six seasons. Um, he, he's hot and cold. And if we get him when he's hot, then that's going to be a big plus. And if yeah. he's not, then it's going to be a lot it's, different. It's going to be interesting because 
it's going to take a lot of creativity from Joe Madden and from the coaching staff and the GM part to kind of get this team looking uh, to be a threat in the playoffs. They need to add one more or two more pieces on the, on the pitching side if they, of course, want to be competitive in getting to the wild card game or the division and, of course, being competitive in the playoffs as well. I just feel like right now the roster is not good enough yet to be um, where we need to be. Yeah, they, they, that, that's all good points there. Um, I Yeah, I think we both kind of agree, you know, the bullpen needs a boost. The starting rotation needs a bit of a boost. That can all be addressed in the trade deadline. Um, and I hope that we do do so because I do think that the, you know, the, the, the surprising team this year, if there's going to be a surpriser, I do feel like it's going to be someone who made made the, the I guess, the, had, the, had the balls to make the big play at the deadline. So yeah, yeah. we'll see if the Angels or if another contender is going gonna, is gonna to make that big leap. Um, I think it would help them greatly. So uh, I think that pretty much wraps things up, Travis. Anything else you want to add? Are we, are we good? No, just uh, looking forward to tomorrow night and looking forward to the start of the second half. Yeah, yeah it should be super exciting to uh, you know follow this last stretch of baseball and you know hopefully lead us to an exciting playoff. So we'll keep you guys covered every week as always with a new episode uh keeping you guys updated on all the hot stuff in the league so thanks so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time thanks presented by tool tools podcast <laughs> <laughs>